Welcome to the AI Asia Pacific Institute podcast. The rise of AI presents important legal and ethical challenges for society. In this podcast, we invite leaders from different industries and creators of new AI to debate the big questions. This is the AI Asia Pacific Institute podcast. Today we're here to discuss the future of work and to cover how AI is impacting HR. I'm here with Philippa, who is the CEO and co-founder of People Collider, a company focused on improving HR's ability to create a more human workplace through technology. She's also the lead researcher for the state of HR and tech in APAC survey. During her 20-year corporate HR career, PIP managed many technology implementations. Today, she supports HR functions and companies with a digital transformation and helps HR map their talent challenges and design the target technology landscape. PIPHouse provides specialist support and expertise to early stage HR technology companies as an advisor. PIP holds an EMBA, a Master of Science in HRM and a postgrad diploma in strategy and innovation from Oxford University, as well as multiple global HR certifications. Welcome, Pip. It's Thanks, very nice Kelly. to have you here. Nice to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Right. So I'm hoping that this conversation will cover all the issues um, of artificial intelligence and other technologies mm-hmm. and how they're impacting our future and especially mm-hmm. the future of work and yeah. HR, which is your specialization. Yeah. So why don't we start uh, talking about um, how there's so much change in the environment and innovative technologies bringing a lot of, cha- a lot of change to the workplace. This, is, this leads us to a shift in the types of skills that are needed in human resource. What HR trends do you see taking place now and growing in the next few years? Yeah, good question. Uh, HR today is definitely not what HR looked like uh, five years ago, uh, certainly not 10 years ago, um, and not 20 when I started. Um, where we are today, HR departments look very different depending on which companies you go to. Um, well-established companies have a lot of legacy issues, both with structure and other things. So the HR is structured very similarly to um, how they used to be with the uh, you know, COEs or the centres of expertise, you know, remuneration and benefits, recruitment and selection, learning and development, the strategy side or the HRBPs, so the business partners, and then the mm-hmm. functional area, uh, the HR operations, if you will, shared services. That's a very traditional model of HR. And we're seeing a lot of different skills coming into some of those roles around technology and specifically analytics. Uh, most people, you know, it's, it's the cool job in HR at the moment. You're working in analytics. 
Um, at the moment, really, what it means is you spend most of your time cleaning data, the rest of the time trying to wrestle with ex data in different system formats mm. and then trying to explain why you cannot develop a, a beautiful visual from Tableau in five minutes <laughs> to a so manager. Not as glamorous oh, as... Oh, no. no, no. <laughs> not much. I don't think there was anything ever glamorous in HR. There's certainly nothing <laughs> glamorous going into the future. Um, interesting, challenging, yes, glamorous, definitely not. <laughs> Um, so we're seeing different skills coming in today, uh, but the, and the new structures of HR. So, for example, uh, I was at Netflix yesterday and we're understanding how they built their HR function. I've often thought if I didn't have any legacy issues, if I had a blank sheet of paper, how would I build an HR function? What would it look like? Mm -hmm. uh, what are the skills that are necessary? And I think today, you know, there's a couple of them. Um, first of all, business skills, understanding someone who can stitch everything together in the business context. Um, the psychology. I think the organizational psychology is absolutely critical because this is how we understand the human dimension um, at a very deep level within the organization. And then the technologists. So bringing these two people together is really important in HR. Mm. Um, the data person, you know, the person who understands how. Now, bear in mind, none of them are standalone. It is literally a, I hate to use the term, but an agile team, you know, a team made up of different um, specialties uh, that are there for a specific task, in this case, for within the human resources function. Mm. Um, so not many people actually with an HR background, but a lot with an HR understanding. Mm -hmm. There's a great article at HBR a couple of months ago talking about data translators. There's a lot of people who can crunch the numbers, very few who really understand what they mean. So when you're looking at HR and people analytics today, it is not just knowing the human dimension or the people side of things and the business side of things. It's being able to translate that into the data. So, you know, you can't just put the data in front of someone who does not understand the business and does not understand HR and say, hey, presto, give us a visual, give us a, a um, nice chart that tells us something, or even worse, give us insights, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that yeah, horrible word. yeah. So, you know, HR functions are changing. HR, uh, the, the necessity, the criticality of certain skills is shifting. But I think overall, I, I've got a few concerns for, you know, traditional HR. Most of my, you know, colleagues and friends, are, are, we've become from traditional HR. Um, the need to understand technology is crucial. Um, and I'm not talking about HR technology. If we think about HR tech, HR tech or the vendor, it's the label on the can. The mm. technology, how the tech, the core tech actually works is what's in the can. Most HR people do not understand what's in the can. Um, in fact, we barely can go beyond the label. We get very distracted by bright shiny things and cool words like AI yeah. and predictive analytics. We love that one. Yeah. Um, so the need to understand technology at a very deep level um, is becoming more and more important so that we can critique it, use it, and adopt it far more effectively than what we're doing. Um, the understanding about data as well. Uh, and this is not to negate the work that we've done in HR. It is to augment. It's mm -hmm. to add to it. We need both in the workplace today, regardless of what function um, or part subfunction of HR that you're actually coming from. If we think about how HR has such an impact on the workplace for people you know we we, we impact people's lives every day um often negatively <laughs> <laughs> i was at drinks last night with someone and they were cursing Actually, i shouldn't name i won't name the it's tool because you it's always a very big remember one. the negative side <laughs> true but unfortunately a lot of the tech that we're pumping out from hr you know the good old employee self-service it doesn't solve problems for the people it solves problems of the function 
Yeah. And that's a very different type of technology and creates a very different experience for the end user. You know, if it's something that's solving the problem for the function, slapping a pretty AI on it, uh, sorry, an app on it, an interface, it does not, not solve. suddenly solve a problem for an employee. Yeah. So I, I think that we really need to shift our thinking. We, you know, we need to understand rather than seeing technology as an enabler to efficiency in operations, actually understanding at a much deeper level how mm. it affects the employee experience, how we can influence the employee experience using different technologies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that core understanding is absolutely um, important. Uh, and unfortunately, I think is missing. The data analytics is another part, but it's really the understanding of data, not just how do you make it look pretty, uh, but or how do you interpret from the back of it, but where do you start? Um, and the two go together. A lot of HR people think that you need a single system to produce good reports. Mm. You want a single source of truth. It is easy reporting from one, you know, one ring to rule them all. Yeah, um, yeah. That is not the nature of technology anymore. It used to be. Yeah. But it's not anymore. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of things when it comes to reshaping the workplace and the employee experience. HR's understanding of technology goes a long way to go to mm. to improve it, and we've got a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> to to understand it well enough to be able to use it effectively. Well, that's very interesting. I don't think all these things that you mentioned. I don't think HR is alone. Uh, if we look yeah. at other industries and how technology is disrupting so many industries, yes. um, these skills that you just mentioned and the need to understand technology on a deeper level, mm -hmm. uh, we can see this across many other industries, Agreed. right? Agreed. HR is not alone. Um, in fact, there was there's only there's a, there are a couple of functions that are further back than we are, or according to some research, and that's and it's legal and risk, which is a bit embarrassing to say that we're we're only better than legal and risk. Yeah. Right? Definitely adopting. better than legal. <laughs> <laughs> than coming, you know, in terms of adopting technology, but that means a lot. Now, I, I, I mean, finance. Yeah, it means that finance is ahead of us, which is a bit scary. Um, understandably, marketing and IT is going to be. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, we are not the only corporate function that are being affected by this. Mm. Um, but I think our impact is so much more because we touch the people. We can touch the people Absolutely. every day, yeah. and so I think the the necessity the. Um, it could be very dangerous if we do not understand it and we let technologists alone build the future. Absolutely. We have to be involved in these conversations. And unfortunately, I don't see HR leaning in and discussing it and, and understanding it well enough to be able to have a voice. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yes. So. Um, yeah, there's so much to cover on this topic, right? Yes. And where we see this need as well, I, I also see opportunities. So yeah. for the people that are considering, um, you know, what, what, how they can benefit, how they can make mm -hmm. the most of their position, or mm -hmm. I think this is the opportunity. I think if you um, in front of this, you have advantages that other people would not. Yeah, I agree. I, I think when it comes, to, uh, certainly in HR, but I would suggest in other functions as well, corporate functions mm -hmm. um, and other, other areas, but corporate functions are quite similar in many ways. Um, we're still not quite at the tipping point. Um, we talk about the future of work like it's in the future. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's already here. So it happened. It's already here. Yes. Um, I think William Gibson's saying that it's 
the future is already here. It's just very unevenly distributed. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. spot on. I mean, when I was organizing, you know, one of, one of our meetings yeah. and I got the email from your secretary, <laughs> from who Evie. I thought it was a very professional secretary. <laughs> As it turns out, she's an AI yeah. secretary. Yeah, yeah. She's also very effective. <laughs> what's her name? Evie, Evie. right? Yeah. Evie, yeah. So if anyone wants to check out a good mm. AI secretary, I highly recommend Evie. Evie. <laughs> she's done a good job. Yeah, Evie AI. <laughs> she's pretty cool. She helps. So... Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the advantages AI is bringing to the workplace mm -hmm. in general. And it's probably interesting that we also cover the concerns, yeah. um, such as bias during the hire process, for example. Mm. So, um, so yeah, let's start maybe with the advantages, what you can see happening and the, like what's exciting about yeah. the future. Um, I think that, well, first of all, I, I have to caveat this by saying I get really excited by technology. Yes. I think, te I think <laughs> I it's can really see. cool. <laughs> There's a lot of opportunities, a lot of advantages um, yeah. if we use it correctly. If we if we are astute users, absolutely. Um, and you know, the whole idea that we're going to end up with you know Skynet or, or you know, there's so many that say they, the, the um, robots will rule the world. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that we'll we, we won't get there in my lifetime anyway. But mm -hmm. um, I think that now is the time to start worrying about our stewardship. In that part of the world, so you know, if we're if we're looking at the advantages, we can make the most of the advantages if we, as human beings, guide it effectively. You know, and and because it's in some ways, it's almost like raising a child. Yeah, you know, it, we we are giving birth, or you know, we, we're creating something from scratch and guiding it in how it decides. Now we can use this however we want. Quite frankly, you mm -hmm. know, it's it is a tool that we can at, at our disposal. Um, it doesn't rule us. We rule it, unlike children sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, advantages in the workplace, obviously being able to change, uh, you know, the, the drudge work. But it, it's almost like having a um, an advisor, a second advisor, you know, provide me with different perspectives. Let me see different patterns. Let me understand something at a deeper level or see something before I have to make a decision. So it's not necessarily saying AI should make the decision. It is more information upon which I can make a decision. How I often used to think in business, you know, we see people um, making decisions on behalf of their company and they're small decisions, but thousands of decisions a day. And you multiply that by thousands of employees. There are so many small decisions being made on behalf of the company. I used to think how much more effective could it be if you could just align those decisions to a narrower bandwidth, if you like, to a more targeted um, outcome, because all of our understanding about how we're making those decisions is a little bit skewed. If you know, you and I, given the same information, will still make a different decision, mm -hmm. um, and, and it may or may not be taking our company closer. You know, if we worked at the same one, to where it wants to be. So there's an opportunity there to be able to use AI information that's generated that way to augment our decision-making processes and therefore to be able to make faster and better decisions for the organization and the community at large, mm -hmm. um, but only if we use it the right way um, yes. and, and only if we teach it the right way. Um, yeah. And yeah. of course, the, the teaching is the, the data piece. Uh, we're seeing it sort of sneak into a little bit. I, honestly, in the HR space, I think AI true AI is more of is very rare uh, and it's being used as a catch cry a lot when it's actually not true AI. Mm. It's, it's good machine learning but it's not true AI. 
Um, those differences, you know, are quite a subtle but significant when it comes to technology. Mm. It's like, it comes back to we buy the label on the can. You slap AI on, HR, you know, we get starry eyes. We think it's super cool and we yeah. really want to buy it. Whether it's actually AI or not, we don't have the capability of assessing that at the moment. Mm. Most of us don't. Um, so I think, you know, huge opportunity to uh, facilitate, to enhance our lives, the workplaces, the decisions that we're making, um, and to take us more to, I wouldn't have said higher, oh yeah, sort of higher order thinking. We've all got parts of our job that we loathe. You know, I, I'm, I love catching up with people. I loathe the scheduling. <laughs> That's why <laughs> Evie is great for me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, she's just chatbot. She's not, you know, oh, AI kind of. <laughs> she's only a dot AI, so they've actually bought the... Yeah. The, um, so essentially, she's still being trained, yes. right? Yes. Yes, and, yeah. and, and that whole idea of continuously training, continuously fe- feeding them with information so mm-hmm. that they can learn. But the AI, and I, I guess I sort of want to jump into the, the problems with it. We have to think about how we are teaching it on a day-to-day basis, analysing its decisions, working out why it made a decision and how we have to teach it differently. Because my only fear with AI is that we've built it. Yeah. And we're imperfect. Yeah. We, we are perfectly we're a biased imperfect. society, Very. which is why AI well, is showing signs of... Well, there's two things. So that is more the history of our data. We have made decisions because you know, of bias or discrimination, whatever it might be. That's the history, of the, and that's where it goes. But the algorithms, how we teach it to learn, to draw on that, you know, what data are you taking, and then what do you do with it? So it's, you know, like a child, you can show them a TV show and let them make what they, what they want of it, mm-hmm. or you can show them a TV show and then educate, t- talk to them, guide them to a conversation or an idea. Now, AI is a little bit the same. You feed it data, you feed it the TV show, and then you watch how it has learned, you watch what it what is being spat out if you like mm. um what, i like the that outcome. analogy and <laughs> you you refine the algorithms you refine the data that's being put in you refine the the way that um it is learning and you teach it something different so you know if if i want and i do want a human future you know i mean i love tech but i don't want technologists alone to build the, the future we all have to have a part in building this future so you know, going back to the new skills that we're talking about, can a human resource person actually have a conversation with someone in tech to analyze the decisions that AI have made and make the appropriate um, recommendations to change that algorithm? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can train managers to decrease their bias in interviews. Can we do the same with an algorithm? Yeah. That's ultimately where I see the yeah. need for a- HR's necessity in many ways is not going to decrease because the, the the human necessity remains. How we, you know, how we are actually applying it, that changes. Right. So, you know, this this perfectly imperfect being of us and all our crummy decisions that we've made mm, in the past mm. recorded forevermore <laughs> and learning. It's like, you know, kids always pick up what you don't want them to pick up on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They say something you think, <laughs> oh, God, yes, I know I say that. Damn it. <laughs> I didn't want them to have all the things I say, you say that, you know. <laughs> and sometimes it's the same when it yeah. comes to using technology. Do what I say, don't do what I yeah. do, right? But unfortunately, AI is going to be exactly the same. So how yeah. we guide it, how we use it, um, it is absolutely crucial and it'll affect everything, whether we're talking about yeah. um, you know, recruitment decisions or any decisions that are being made by humans, by humans, not yes. necessarily. Enhanced, advised, augmented by 
AI, but not necessarily made by AI. Right. Made so by human beings. where is the balance of releasing this type of technologies that are supporting HR already? So, for example, we know that there has been issues with bias uh, mm-hmm. in the workplace and some of these systems are already mm-hmm. operating. So how do we, where is the balance of, hey, maybe before we put this into practice, we need to make sure that this system is working in a fair way. Yeah, look, so I'm, I'm going to throw a cat amongst the pigeons here because I actually don't think that this should stop our adoption of the technology. It shouldn't It shouldn't delay it. It shouldn't, it should change how we're doing it. It has been biased all along. Putting the technology in does not make it more biased. In fact, putting the technology in highlights the fact that it has been and gives us an opportunity to do something different about it. You know, 20 years in HR, and I, you still do with racism, discrimination, you know, mm-hmm. um, sexism, harassment, uh, you know, all sorts of bias coming out in weird and wonderful ways. You know, I've been working across Asia for you know over half my career now, and you see biases for and against um, you know, things that often you would not, you know, yeah. from my background, expect, yeah. uh, particularly here in Singapore. But the to say that we should not put the technology in because we're not perfect yet, we haven't figured it out, mm-hmm. is, is, is means that we'll never put it in. Right. Because we're never, you know, someone will, will start their career now and work 20 years in HR and they'll still say the same thing that I am because this is who we are as human beings. Yeah. The, um, it, you know, ideally it isn't there, but it is. So the technology gives us the chance to be able to say, okay, this is what we've done. This is where we're at. How do we fix it? So got, I, I give Workplace you know, a big thumbs up because they said, okay, it's going wrong. Why? This is this idea of let's find out what it's spitting. Like they, analyzed, they didn't just um, plop it in and go, okay, off you go then. You know, you didn't just sort of drop it off, you know, give birth and then drop it off at school for the first day, mm-hmm, you know, a week mm-hmm. later. Um, they monitored it. They, they, um, and they intervened when it was necessary. It is actually, I think, a better intervention. The, this data really does give us a mirror and not a pretty one to ourselves. And HR, honestly, we've been trying to do that for a very long time because we have been trying to eliminate and uh, reduce bias in the workplace for a very long time. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. diversity and inclusion, big thing for us, you know, in the HR space. So not, ha- so this, these tech can help us do it. But again, only if we are understanding the technology and how it's worked so that we can critique it and guide it and teach it differently. Mm. Um, we So, yeah. So I think monitoring, monitoring, as you were saying, is key, mm. right? Absolutely. So how can we expect a monitor to take place when we see people in general are quite behind of what's happening, right? So I yeah. can see there's a... Before monitoring, maybe there is this huge need for training, right, and yeah, for absolutely education. Yeah, so you know, it it's, goes back to the what, what I said earlier. Around it's easy, you know, HR have been training managers not to be biased or have any discrimination, value DNI and all diversity, sorry, diversity and inclusion yeah, for years. It, and years. Yeah, for years. Can we change that skill? Can I apply it to technology mm-hmm. to these types of algorithms? You know, the the ones that we're using. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to change. That so far is not what we've been able to do. So there is a huge need for HR to upskill in this in this space. Um, it's going it's going to be it's going to be hard. Yeah. There, there's a lot of them. A lot of people in HR do not want to go down this road. 
Mm. You know, they got into HR because they want to work with people. They don't like numbers, you know. Yeah. The future HR person has to do like numbers and has to get tech. They also have to get people. But you you don't do HR because it was the easy option or you wanted to work in an office or you didn't want to work with numbers or you didn't, you know, really get technology. Because actually that argument now doesn't apply to any job. (laughs) Anywhere. Anywhere. Exactly. Um, You know, I was talking to an environmentalist the other day and, you know, in the old days they all wanted to, to work in, in the, that field because they got outside they're outside of an office they had no you know they were disconnected and what was he doing he was trying to figure out how to configure a drone for so you know he's run away from the very thing that's come <laughs> right after him but every single role in the it world will it will involve yeah the 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 need for numbers, the understand numbers and data and the need to understand technology and how it influences is not going to miss anybody in the future, mm-hmm. anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, you know, for HR, our real challenge is how do we bring our, we have a, a, a deep, almost an intuitive understanding of the human condition. Now, we have been dealing with the um, the 5% of bad eggs in organisations for most of our careers, uh, which is, I'm afraid, why we build these policies for the 5%, not for the 95% of good eggs, I'm afraid, because we see the good and the bad all the time. And you, you build a, sixth sense if you will after so long how can we take that and help people with tech build a more human future Mm -hmm. that that is our challenge Uh, and it's one we need to rise to a lot more than what we are doing today so that those discussions around so you know if there is but what in the tech or in the output or in the advice what do we do about it you know do we do we shelve it so the microsoft bot you know, the, the oh, I can't remember the name of it, but they had to switch it off. They couldn't retrain it. Mm. It was spewing out all sorts of racist, yeah. horror. I mean, yeah. everyone's heard the story. So I've seen that with and a few technologies, off. yeah. Mm. Uh, it actually came to the point that they had to shut switch it down off. because yeah. they cannot change, yeah. right? Yeah. It would be lovely if you could switch off the child just for a moment because <laughs> whatever lesson you're teaching, they are missing it completely. <laughs> yeah. Switch off, re- refig, reconfig. <laughs> so, but we can do that with tech. And it's okay to say that it was it did not work because the data we were feeding it, and I think this one was just scraping randomly, which is mm-hmm. also a big concern that that's our information, that's us. Yeah, um, yeah. That was a really shady mirror yeah. on the human on human beings. Yeah. That, um, so yeah, I agree with you. So much potential if the people can operate and monitor this correctly. Mm-hmm. So the need for training for understanding. So mm-hmm. how do you see this? happening in practice um, what, oh, what organizations difficult. I know you've yeah. been doing a fabulous job in this area oh, what you. else do you see happening and uh, it, I think it has to start from the ground level so there's different needs at different levels of um, career so we're seeing this huge titanic shift in fact I had uh, coffee with a lovely lady who actually moved to Silicon Valley in the 80s mm-hmm. uh, which you know imagine being in tech before there was an internet yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So she saw the internet. You know, she she was well into a career when she saw the internet uh, sort of came in, and she said, "This wave now is the same level of shift. You know, this is a paradigm shift. What we're seeing today than what we saw. You can imagine the world. I don't know if we can remember the world pre-internet. It's yeah. pretty hard. <laughs> but from a career perspective, seeing that shift and then what we're seeing now, the difficulty um, for us is it is such a massive shift that it changes very subtly every day and we don't feel it we're like the frog in boiling water 
mm. you know, put put into cold, and we're slowly and slowly um, boiling as it, as it heats it up, the water heats up. Um, and there is not enough of us taking any action about what does that mean for me in my job. Um, if I look at people over 20 years in their careers, you know, there's, there's a, a lot of people. Now, I'm going to make generalizations, which I generally don't like to do, but I think it's important to sort of say, okay, I, I'm not in that bundle, yeah. and that's great. Oh, let's, you know. let's put people so, in boxes. Yeah, let's put, like. okay, let's put people in boxes. <laughs> so, you know, the, the 25 and up career uh, category, yeah. a lot, I see a lot of them just ducking for cover and waiting for retirement and hoping that the future won't bite them on the butt before they actually have to re... Because reinventing that long in is really tough to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I so say you get it, you know, I totally yeah. get it. Um, if you could just duck long enough, if the future doesn't hit you before um, you retired, yeah. you're safe. You know, it, this amount of change that's needed in their functions and that requires them. I find in HR, we've got this weird thing. We are desperately trying to change the workforce and transform the organisation and transform the function. And we have done precious little about transforming ourselves. We're still trying to be the same old HR people transforming the company. It's like, mm, it doesn't quite work. We have to transform ourselves. So I think a lot of the, the you know, the um, the long career people, uh, there's definitely exceptions. I know some fabulous exceptions, mm-hmm. um, but there is still that feel. And and I get the sense. Um, in fact, I was talking to someone the other day. They said, so to sum up, you're a Gen Xer. You know, you've been around for X number, you know, this number of years. And I said, I feel like I am sandwiched between the generation of <laughs> let of, of complete. Um, I want to remain ignorant until retirement and complete inspiration for the tenure because the the People with the ten to fifteen year that I speak to, they are, they range between frustrated, panicked, worried, and just annoyed as hell yeah. because they, they know they need. To, yeah, they can see that we need to change, and then they look at their senior leader and they go, you know, the same old stuff, and they're like, "This is this doesn't work. It's not going to work. We have to change what we're doing, and we have to change it now." So I'm sort of, you know stuck between complacency and frustration in a lot of ways. I mean, they're very inspirational. The ideas these guys have at the 10-year career mark, brilliant. Um, Mm. A lot of them are really forward-thinking. My generation, you know, the 20-year, 15-20, we're in a little bit of no man's land, um, like Gen X so often has been. (laughs) (laughs) We're such a little one. You know, the um, do I have to change? What does it take? Now, changing us as people takes years and we we know this in HR because we do it on a regular basis we know that you don't just send somebody off for a training program and hey presto they're different Um, if only it was so easy (laughs) our jobs would be a lot easier transforming ourselves takes years yeah uh, and years of effort Uh, and that's very daunting for a lot of people who are raising kids worrying about elderly people putting food on the table and you know worrying about the the whole the idea that employability May is not assured. I feel in HR that we're coming towards a cliff. We haven't reached that tipping point yet where the criticality of being able to absorb technology, and not HR tech, I'm not talking about the big technology suites that are sold. That is not HR tech in the 21st century. That is, It is a part of it, but it's not everything. There is so much more to understand technology before you understand HR technology or technology for HR. We have to understand the technology separately and independently. Mm. Very few people are making efforts, I see, um, certainly in my age group, in that regard. And I worry, you know, for um, well, for friends, actually, that 
you know, colleagues that we're going to come to this cliff and the jobs that don't require it are going to dry up so much that when we all, you know, we'll fall off the cliff and there'll be a lot of people that go splat rather than bounce because employability has just died. Um, yeah. They cannot they cannot compete with someone younger who can bring HR and technology Absolutely. together, the understanding of both worlds together yeah. to reshape their their um, their workplace. So and I'm sure it is the same for a lot a lot of people in um, uh, you know in a lot of other functions that this is the, mm. the issue that is existing that you know depending on where you are and what you're doing. A, a lot of my um, colleagues are going into the coaching space. And that's okay. cool, you know. It's it's a really it's a good area. It's a necessary area. Mm-hmm. Um, I've chosen the technology sort of route because it, it's it, my it choice. No, well, <laughs> it just it, it interests me. It, it's more yeah. me. Yeah, uh, it's it's a. I'm lucky that it's more me, I guess. But it is definitely more me than the coaching thing. Um, I have the pa- patience for. A, well, actually, no, I don't have the patience for a <laughs> computer that's not working well. But I definitely don't have the patience for the human side. Um, but the um, so I think that that. Understanding how do I redesign myself? Yeah, um, because unlike, unlike the other revolutions we had before, mm-hmm. the fourth upcoming one, um, this you know before we, we still needed man to operate the machines. Mm-hmm. This time, uh, we see it's going to be very different. Yeah, we need yeah. man to monitor the machines. Yeah, and very few, yeah. not as not as not as many, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if they were going to take all our jobs. You know, the WEF says we're going to create more than... Eventually, you know, utopia, I guess, mm. is that we do not need to work, that the world is built in such a way that there's perfect equilibrium. Yeah. And it isn't necessary. We, we It is necessary that we contribute, but not necessary that we work in the, in the idea that we have it today. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you now, you've yeah. asked me this before, yeah. what do you think about the idea of the universal income? Like how 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 will governments respond to this? So this idea of, um, you know, hopefully we'll yeah. be in a society where, you know, people will enjoy not working and they will still be able to, you know, sustain contribute. themselves. Yeah, it's, I think we've got a lot of shift. So fundamentally, I agree with it. Um, but I think we've got a lot to change about society. I think if we just threw in UBI, that we would have issue, you know, issues of gigantuan proportions. And you know, I'm Australian. My my country has been giving money to people who don't work for a very long time, and mm. not necessarily to great effect. You know, in some cases it does help. Um, you know, I went through a period of unemployment, and it did help me, and I got back on track. But when we, I think about UBI, it's not an extension of social security as we know it today. It is literally because we do not need to. Um, we, our purpose is different. How we're contributing is different. The, the notion of uh, being able to spend our time not doing nothing, but doing something of interest, of passion, of purpose to ourselves to contribute to the world rather than having to go to work and doing the grudge because nine you, to five yeah because you need the, well it, you know whatever the job is because you need the paycheck so if at the, uh, if we blend that with people and, and there's a lot of research showing that how people make decisions when they have very little money um and living without money i mean most of us work because of fear the idea of not having a paycheck is damn scary mm. how are mm. you going to eat how are you how do you survive? There's nothing more addictive income? than a paycheck. Exactly. <laughs> so 
you know, and when you don't have money, the the way that you think, you know, we've seen very poor decisions going being made by people who have no money and then suddenly giving money, you know, because the 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 patterns that they get into, because to live with that amount of fear on a day to day basis is very actually very harmful. You know, mm-hmm. we've created a very cruel world for many, many people. Um, so unless we can address these issues, these societal issues, unless we can instill, you know, it's not a matter of doing nothing. It's a matter of doing something else, something to contribute. The notion of contribution must be there. Yeah. It's not so a it free doesn't ride. necessarily need to be linked to money, right? Exactly. That's what he's saying. Exactly. And then... You know, so they're separated. And, and I know this, you know, in the workplace, we've been dealing with this for a long time. So, you know, back in my um, early career, I spent a lot of time analysing jobs <laughs> and determining pay grades. That's, you know, the level of complexity of the role, the associated pay grade based on market data and all sorts of things. You know, yeah. Really exciting stuff. Um, necessary. <laughs> that's how we've built the world. So it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. Um, but that's not what we're, you know, that, that whole construct is completely broken apart. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea of value. Now, I, I personally believe our idea of value is completely warped right now. Um, the, and this is an, an economic, um, I guess, argument or idea. You know, capitalism, it's the, the least worst at the moment. Um, but the idea, well, in many, in many minds, but the way that it is, how we then attribute value is completely skewed like how can someone that cares for a sick human being be valued economically less than someone who is cutting down an orangutan's forest yeah and yeah. yet yeah. that is exactly you know a company that is exactly what is happening mm. and now, i've understood that so much until yeah. i became a mother yeah. and so that's very true value is just value does not equal paycheck unfortunately the way that the world is working and we look at you know hierarchies and status symbols and all this we equate um, value and worth to dollars. Now, UBI, if we're doing it, we have to find, think of our UBI as different or universal basic income, different as our association with money has to change, I believe, mm. to, for it really to work. Because that idea around status and everything, it just it doesn't work in the idea that everyone's getting the same. Mm. You know, or there is a base level and then, you, you know, and off you go from there. So, and, I mean, there's obviously different structures around UBI, but I do see this this idea of, um, you know, what is valuable and what is valued <laughs> mm. uh, in today's world does not sit well with the concept of UBI. Mm. Mm. Lots to change. So I, I love the idea that, human beings could get to a point where we spend our time doing something that is purposeful and helpful and meaningful to ourselves and contributes to the world in a positive way um, and that we're able to live without that fear of how to put money you know food on the table yeah um well that, that's, there's so much to go before we can get it just giving money does it not sounds do like that. a whole new world yeah it is as you're just it describing it's utopia yeah it's that yeah. utopian yeah. future creating a whole new perspective and that's yeah. why i think there has been so many conversations about existential risk of how what technology is bringing, right? Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen when we don't have to do the things that we do anymore? Yeah. yeah. Um, how we can prepare for that. Yeah. Lots of change coming up. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if we'll be around to see it all, but at least we'll be around to see some and hopefully leave it a better place than we found it. Yeah. 
being interesting. Um, so we, yeah, I think we covered a few of the concerns there about how technology is impacting the workplace and generally changing our humanity, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's we can let's talk a little bit more about um, you know. So you're you're saying before you you don't believe necessarily that our jobs you know we're going to lose our jobs many of us. Um, so, you know, one of the statistics that we have recently is the World Economic Forum that mm -hmm. projects that about 75 million current jobs would be displaced as artificial intelligence takes over more aspects of work, mm -hmm. right? How, so how do you actually believe that this is going to take place? And I know mm -hmm. new jobs will, will be created as mm -hmm. well. And we need, like you're mentioning, we need, pe we need people with these new skills, people that yeah. really understand technology, even though that's not their background, but mm -hmm. they can operate and they can they have those soft skills and they can adapt. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be more important than ever, I believe. Yeah, agree. Um, but I still, I personally still believe that the numbers of jobs being taken away will be so much higher than the jobs that will be needed. Yeah, I, I, I think the absolute numbers, um, I'm not going to disagree with WF. I think there will be more created than, than removed. Mm. But the problem I don't think is necessarily the absolute number of jobs. It's the people to fill those jobs. The jobs are going away faster than we are reskilling ourselves to take on the new jobs. That's mm -hmm. that idea of, you know, what are we doing today to transform our employability for a future for the future? Um, the and rarely are full jobs just suddenly disappear overnight. So the idea that oh, you know I'm going to wake up and a, a robots taking my job, it doesn't happen that way. It's um, jobs, I guess, disintegrate. The shape of jobs changes. You know, what used to be a task in uh, in one person's job has disappeared, has been taken, and then and it changes shape over yeah. time. Um, there is still a, a high degree of complex work that we must be involved in. Um, technology is nowhere near it. There's straightforward stuff, absolutely. So we're losing a lot of that sort of um, straightforward, the stuff that RPA or robotic process automation and the like can take over very quickly and easily. But there's a lot of data available and it's very straightforward work. So, you know, that is easy to, to put out to technology or a technology. The very complex stuff is not. Uh, uh, like flying a plane, you know, yes, could uh, tech do it on its so, own, you know, self-driving aeroplanes, yes. Do we ever want to get in one without a pilot? Mm, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be safe. It's still, it's still very, because it, it's exceptionally complex, uh, you know, if you're talking about how you're building it. So the, I worry, and I do think we are going to have a, a huge problem where we see a lot of people have not maintained employability being out of work because their job has changed so much that they no longer fit enough to find another one mm -hmm. or to fill the old one. Um, and this is why so many governments, like the Singapore government, put so much emphasis on reskilling um, and, and moving with the times effectively yeah. to maintain employability. Um, and it's not keeping a job. Employability in the future will be a very different idea of what we've got today. So the, um, the number of people that have not maintained employability and the number of jobs that are changing shape I do think there's a bit. So you talk to people recruiting. There are they've got so many jobs they can't find people for, and yet you talk to so many people and they say I can't find a job. 
You know, so this mismatch is already uh, happening. happening and I think it will increase substantially um, as we move forward and as technology starts to overtake. It, it's not that it is necessarily displacing us. In some ways, I think it's our fault that we have not kept up with it. Um, I always wondered this, the concept, you know, we say the times, you know, in these days and, in, in, you know, in the, back in the day, the times, are the times dictated by us or do or it's always our choice, dictated? right? Well, exactly. So, you know, if we, and we can usually see it coming, you know, someone is seeing it coming. Um, so people, there should be more of a sense of responsibility upon individuals to maintain their employability, I think. Um, it's so certainly in the HR space, anyone who thinks that they can do what we've done for the last 20 years and get away with it, <laughs> fooling themselves. You know, mm. It's just not going to be like that. For, you know, if, there, if it is today, it won't be for very much longer. Um, and, and, you know, I, I guess I was talking about, you know, people I know in the, in the you know, who I've worked with for many, many years, they are not maintaining their employability and it will affect them um, along with millions of other people as technology is replacing pieces of job and eventually they don't fit their jobs or those jobs or have transformed into another job. Because um, the jobs, it's it can be incremental, but it's usually easier to implement tech and change a job faster than it is to change a human. Yeah. We take time to learn. We take time to shift. Often we need a mindset shift before we actually can start accepting learning, yeah. you know, being open to learning. Um, and that, I think, is the key barrier at the moment for a lot of people. Mm, um, absolutely. So, yeah, we, we will, unfortunately, we will have a big piece of, of uh, the workforce that will really struggle to find work, I think, yeah. uh, in the, over the next five to ten years. Um, we're reaching, we're probably reaching an end soon, but before, yeah. um, in a very practical way, yeah. how do you think people can, um, if the pe for the people that have not, you know, not preparing themselves, they feel mm -hmm. a bit behind in their positions right now, yeah. um, how do you think they can start preparing? I know, for example, yeah. the, the Singapore government has been done, has been doing a fabulous job mm -hmm. here training. Yeah people providing courses um, and encouraging the development of new skills. Yeah. How can people personally take that step though? Yeah. I think there's three things. First of all, we they need to ask answer the question again, what do I want to be when I grow up? Mm. <laughs> Because the job that you wanted to do doesn't exist anymore. So yeah. what do you want to be in the future you know, workplace? Um, That was like the decision for me to go down the technology route rather than the coaching route, which a lot of friends have done as well. So where do they want to be? What, you know, it actually, it may be a complete pivot. They may find that where they want to be or the opportunity that they're seeing requires a complete shift um, from where they are today, a 180 pivot rather than a simple change. Um, and that's absolutely fine. So knowing where you're going. You have mm -hmm. to have a destination in yeah. mind or at yeah. least an area that you're curious about to pursue to augment what you're doing. It's easy, you know, if you look at the front of the forefront of where your function is changing, you can usually see the trends. So not from where you are today, but look at and see who is doing what uh, and where where is the focus um, and what appeals to you. Mm -hmm. you know, what makes you think, oh, God, yeah. I'd rather I'd rather stick a screwdriver in my eye <laughs> <laughs> versus, oh, yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. yeah. So here's so, an opportunity, right? Yeah. Yeah. So to reinvent oneself. Yeah. To get closer to something that you actually want to do for a living rather than yeah. what we ended up ended up doing yeah. more by accident. 
then once we know that, then we can source opportunities to learn. Now, there is a lot around this learning. It's, you know, in some cases it's formal education, but there is a lot of information made freely available. Uh, MIT, for example, mm-hmm. all their courseware is online. Everything yep. that you could ever be taught at MIT from, from a page is available. Uh, of course, it hasn't harmed their registration and their enrollments, but because um, we like different formats. So you need to know how do you want to learn, what formats are available, yeah. um, and build a mosaic, build a picture, a, a different picture, your own picture of what you're learning. You don't only have to learn one other thing. Think about, you know, three two or three different things to learn to augment what you've already got so that you're, uh, you know, you, you've got a few that you can get rid of if you're not happy doing that. You find out, oh, that's not, you know, or that's not where mm-hmm. where it's going. It hedges bets as well. It's, it's a risk mitigation. Um, the third thing, so knowing what you want, knowing where to learn about it mm-hmm. for free or whatever, you know, it's Coursera, the, you know, the big Government, moves. Government, thousands of websites. Huge, yeah. huge opportunity. Drive.com. The other, yeah, <laughs> the other one is um, is the network. So if we think about who we know at work today, most of us know people who we work with today, like in our own area. The areas that we want to move into is usually a different network, completely different. So I know when I move from HR to HR tech, um, it's a completely different network. There's very few HR people who actually move into HR tech, which sounds really strange, but it's, yeah. Mm. The networks are different. So never underestimate the necessity of getting out and meeting new people in a different area. You know, so attending events, joining meetups, going to, um, you know, online forums and things like that, Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, getting active to build a new network, to access information, but also to access people. Yeah. Um, so that you can be more like a boundary spanner between these two worlds. You know, so at the moment I meet, I bring the world of HR, the world of HR tech, and I'm trying to build more of myself in the world of technology. So you better bring these three things together. Um and I, and I need to have maintain the networks and all three to be able to do so, as well as the information. So if people are looking at reinventing, please don't, never, ever underestimate the, the necessity of the network piece, the people that you know in the new area yeah. um, and that give you access to information. Uh, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds so easy. But and it is, it's years. I started my pivot probably about three years ago now. Um, yeah. And it's still going. It's I've got a very clear direction. I feel like you've been doing it forever. Yeah. Well, (laughs) no, no. I was a very traditional HR person for a very long time, Mm. and then you know I I don't know what. It's hard to know what the trigger was actually, what the signals were. But uh, you know, start it, it, it sneaks up on you. You start attending events. You start reading different things. You start following different things, and then all of a sudden you're in a completely different space, and you you sort of go into it more. Where you come out, it's sometimes hard to know exactly where I'm coming out. Yeah. You know, I couldn't have told you that I wanted to establish a company that trains HR people in technology three years ago yeah. or even a year ago. Um, that, you know, today is my purpose to help HR people understand technology so that we together can shape a future of work that we want to see in the workplace. Mm-hmm. But that's taken a long time to be very clear. 
Yeah. So, you know, you don't expect that level of clarity straight away. These these transformations take a long time. Like they do, you know, anyone who's transformed a culture in an organization knows it takes a very long time. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it never yeah. happens overnight. So, and, and it's the same for ourselves. Same it's an ourselves. exciting journey, though. It is. It is. The future's got some really exciting stuff coming up. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. this has been really great. Thanks. Thank Chloe. you so it's much for Thank yeah, you. for being here. Uh, for anyone trying to get in touch with you, mm -hmm. what's the best way? Uh, LinkedIn. I'm okay. often on LinkedIn. So, uh, yeah, you'll find me there. Philippa Pitt Penfold. I think I might be the only Pitt Penfold. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, for, with People Collider. So you'll find me there. Just ping me. And uh, Great. all my details are there. Yeah. Great. We'll have some information up on our website as well. Well, Great, thanks, thanks again. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone. See you. Thanks, Kelly. Bye-bye.